0: What was it? A Tyrannosaurus rex. The largest and fiercest predator of all time. But well, we're keeping them under control. Well, that's absolutely marvellous, Brigadier. Somebody or something is operating a temporal displacement on a very vast scale. Never mind your scientific gobbledygook. You'll be caught martial for this, Sergeant. Yes, sir.
1: Very sorry, sir. Well, don't you stand there, Benton. Go and put yourself under arrest. Still, I'll say one thing. Not many sergeants get the chance to punch a general on the nose. Just don't make a habit of it, Benton. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast.
2: Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who the hell are you anyway?
0: I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Casterburus. I'm 903 years old, and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. You no got a problem with that? No. In that case, I
3: do see. Would you like a jelly baby?
0: Oh, look! Rocks!
1: Wibbly wobbly,
3: timey rhyming!
1: Oi, watch it, spaceman
0: Boy,
3: watch it, Earth Girl!
0: Smith, Dr. John Smith. And this is Duggan. He's a detective who's been kind enough to catch me. Oh, you.
2: you always were an optimist, weren't you?
0: Thank you for the compliment. I really want to go. Hello.
2: Mate, in six moves, Master. You, you, I
0: And welcome to another episode of Who True Freaks, the best Doctor Who show on the Two True Freaks network. I, I am your tyrant lizard, David Walker, and because I told them we were heading to another planet, I have time-scooped several friends here to help me talk about the John Pertwee Doctor Who serial Invasion of the Dinosaurs. We have the terrible claw of Chris Tyler.
2: I, I was lied to. This is not a spaceship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we have the amazing roofed lizard Dr. Bill Robinson
4: uh, I was brought here because I have the moves like Jagasaurus <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's the three horned face of Andrew Leyland.
3: I was available They <laughs> just pulled me in I don't know what I'm actually doing here or who these strange people are
0: and we have the irredeemable irredeemable quick plunderer Shag Jump in Jehoshaphat (laughs) (laughs) Okay So As I said We're talking about Invasion of the Dinosaurs But there is one thing I think I would like to cover Just to be Very nice about it There is A kind of Comic relief Charity thing Going on Where If you can get over to London I assume You can actually meet Seven Doctors The the Breakfast with the Doctor Who's Mm. I shared it with Mm. you guys earlier, so... Yes. It's it's on a website called Givergy, um, and hopefully, if Google allows you to, you can just search for it. I think it's running until May sometime, so as long as I get this out before then, it'll be fine. Uh, But, you know, while I would like to tell as few people as possible so I have a better chance of winning, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it, it is a whole charity thing, so... It's just nicer to kind of let everyone know. Oh, sorry, that's May 2017, just in case anyone's a little behind on this mm, topical. So, uh, does anyone else have any kind of Doctor Who news at all? Or any news yep. in general?
2: Just ready for the new season to start.
0: Oh, uh, the other thing I did, I, I met Benton. Ooh, oh, nice! No way! He, he is a lovely man. I didn't have enough time to kind of chat with him. There was a queue, and there were many, many kind of people kind of wanting to chat with him. So I just got a signature on a on a picture of him with Nicholas Courtney, Elizabeth Sladen, and Bessie. Because, nice. you Did, know, why wouldn't you?
4: What, you didn't get him to punch you?
0: No. But <laughs> I it's not, it's not rank. No. If, <laughs> if, if I was more general, um, you know, it, it would have worked better. But, you know... I'm, I'm, well, that character wearing, would
2: be a retired general
0: by now. Uh, I, I'm just were, a. Little were you girl. wearing a
1: fake mustache at the time? Because that would have helped.
0: No, 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 I had a real one at the time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, See, that's where your problem was.
1: Right. <laughs> it's all in the fake facial hair, sir.
3: Mm.
0: See, this this is what happens when you grow a real one. Don't get punched by as many famous people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to remember that for next time. But let's get into this then. Mm. So, Invasion of the Dinosaurs was the second story of Season 11, and it aired between the 12th of January and the 16th of February, 1974. It was directed by Paddy Russell, written by Malcolm Hulke, script editors were Terence Dix and Robert Holmes, who was uncredited, and it was produced by Barry Letts. The Doctor was John Perkley, his companion was Elizabeth Sladen, Sergeant Smith, with Nicholas Courtney as Brigadier Lethman stewart Richard Franklin as Captain MacGyutes, John Devine as Sergeant Benton, Will Johnson as Sir Charles Grover, Peter Miles as Professor Whitaker, Martin Jarvis as Butler, and John Bennett as General Fitch. So, London is evacuated after prehistoric monsters begin suddenly appearing from nowhere. The doctor and Sarah return to find London deserted and under martial law. At first they are arrested as looters, but once back with the Brigadier they discover an incredible plot to alter time. A group of misguided idealists want to reverse time, wiping out all Earth's previous history and returning it to a golden age before technological pollution. Captain Yitz, Brigadier's number 2, has been converted to their cause and is working against UNIT. Thanks to his powers as a Time Lord, Doctor is able to foil the scheme and keep time on its proper course. That's that? The, that? That's the very, very short synopsis from the Making of Doctor Who book, um, released by Target back in
3: 1976, I think. Yeah. It, it, it pretty much sums up six episodes by cutting out the superfluous four and five. Well, well done, yeah. whoever wrote that one. Mm. I,
0: I think it was actually Terrence Sticks uh, and Malcolm Hulk. That's who it claims to be. The it, it, it took two
3: of them to write that synopsis.
0: It took <laughs> two of them to write the episode. Three? Uh, yeah, well, the
3: episode's six episodes long. That's barely six lines.
0: Yeah. But it it I us to kind of get through it quickly. Um, it,
3: it, it definitely cut out a
0: lot
1: of, you know, they go to this place, and then they do this thing where they go back to this other place doing the same thing they did a minute ago, and then, oh, look, cliffhanger with the dinosaur. And, uh, yeah, cut out a lot of that.
2: <laughs> and the doctor yeah. loves to drive. Yes. <laughs> it is. Oh, I mean, John we,
0: we have to make sure we talk about that. That, that should have been on my list, and it wasn't on my oh, list. Oh,
1: yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> How could you forget?
3: I know, because it's awesome. <laughs>
4: I think you were blinded by the pterodactyls.
3: Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> should, should, should we attack the dinosaur in the room first?
4: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not a dinosaur, I'm a puppet with a rod up my ass.
3: I am I'm, I'm going to take the slightly contrary opinion that for 1973 BBC shitty budget, those special effects were not at all bad I, I agree what 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 killed
2: the, the verisimilitude was the roars were clearly somebody in the background going
3: actually <laughs> <laughs> if it got you to do that that would have been more effective yeah, I, I like the designs. the sound was not good though
1: yeah I, I, I'll split the difference. I will say that the stegosaurus and the brontosaurus were actually very good. I mean those yes. were really well-designed creatures. And the model work where you would, which you don't even notice because you're looking at the stupid rubbery dinosaur. The model work behind them were like it's a fake building and stuff like yeah. that. It's really good.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't tell, so I guess it was really good.
1: Yeah, the model was actually exceptional. They even bring the camera down low so that you're looking kind of even with the dinosaur. It's
2: really well done.
1: Now, the T-Rex was god-awful. The T-Rex was, I mean, clearly a puppet that my 10-year-old designed for them. Uh, And the Pterodactyl was just a joke, something swinging around (laughs) on a string.
0: The Pterodactyl looked like a, a, you know, the up-close one looked like a kind of re-altered kind of emu. (laughs) <laughs> Do you guys know him? You? <laughs> yeah,
3: a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I like Joe
0: Percy gurning when he was attacked by that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> God. I would rather yeah. see the pterodactyl from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh,
1: terry? Uh, terry? Oh, ter- yeah. ter- terry's infinitely Pee-wee? better. Than this was, man, this was this was not even Terry level. Oh, thing. Yeah, uh, of- what are you doing? doing?
3: The backgrounds, like Shag said, that the model work on the backgrounds was Jerry Anderson quality. It was really impressive.
2: The compositing that they did with the with the uh, blue screen or green screen, however they did it, was yeah,
3: so it was
0: right.
2: good for the, for the time. Not
4: really well, well, you get done. the Tyrannosaurus was playing a Kool-Aid man, too, in the one scene where he bursts oh, out yeah. of it. The- hey,
2: Kool-Aid! <laughs> <laughs> I've oh, seen an albino T-Rex depicted before. <laughs> I, th- I think I one of the
0: come, one of the problems mm-hmm. they had, though, with the kind of blue screen bit was they couldn't keep the miniature camera steady. It was very shaky, yeah. and th- I, I think that caused a little bit of problems with it. So, well,
4: just well, shaking the
1: ground when he came in. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> except the doctor wasn't moving.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that. Uh, also, I, another thing I was impressed with is like with the scene where the T Rex is tied up and asleep. Even though the puppet itself was total pants, as you yeah. people would say. Come on, um, they they took the time to make the puppet be look like he's breathing. I thought yeah. that was that's a nice detail. Okay, that's that's good. So I mean, at, at the end of it, my 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 judgment is that the the dinosaur effects were they should be commended on their efforts. And as Andy said, some of it is really good, but uh, ultimately the T Rex and the pterodactyl, at least for me, are just laughable. They're just embarrassing. And, and it, there's a special feature, Andy. I don't know if you watched it. It's got Barry Letts and uh, Terry Terrence Dicks talking about the dinosaurs yeah. and apparently mm-hmm. they, out, they outsourced I only saw three minutes on YouTube but they yeah. outsourced the effects to another company and said oh yeah your dinosaurs are going to look great and when they got them they were just like oh my gosh these are so awful but they had no choice they were stuck with them
3: hmm. yeah. yeah I watched that I, I, I think for BBC effects they weren't as bad as they could have been even though to our eyes yeah they're, they're pretty shit in what? story though what was Sarah Jane thinking
4: here, uh, I'm going to fl- take with some... flashes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it' says, poor little sleeping dinosaur. He's like, what? What was it? What? Well, I mean, she's... Opening was... his eye. Oh, like, uh, wow.
2: Intrepid reporter. Come on. Then.
0: You'd be grumpy if you woke up.
2: Somebody oh, flashing oh. you?
0: Then again, if Sarah Jim was flashing you? If I was...
2: Oh. No, flashing me would be one thing. You can wake me up with that. That's fine. It'll be funny <laughs> if you're a guy. It'll be hot if you're a girl. Taking my picture while I'm asleep? <laughs> it's not cool, man.
1: She's very lowest Lane in this episode.
3: Yes. Yeah. I, I I think that you can you can probably argue a case that this is very much a Jane story. The yes. doctor doesn't really do much well, yeah, in this. Yeah, she's the one that mm. figures er, er, everything yeah. out. He rides yeah. around in his car. He runs up and down a couple of underground corridors. He tries to convince the Brigadier what's going on and everyone just kind of looks at him askance and then he's framed and said, no, no, you're an idiot. It's Sarah Jane who's doing all the investigating and she's doing such a good job of it that they have to ferry her off into that spaceship for two episodes. Otherwise, she'd have brought the show to a close early.
0: (laughs) And and they do it twice. Yeah, that's how good she is in this show. Uh, What what did you think of the spaceship bit? You know, Uh, It was... It's a really good idea.
3: It's a really good science fiction idea that these people aren't doing what they think they're doing. But I felt in this story, I felt it slowed the pace down. I think episode four and five of this should really have been trimmed and maybe made this a five-parter or a four-parter. Because there's just too... It's too baggy once you get into episode four and five.
2: It's this massive left turn. I I started the episode and I was like, what, did I miss one? Like... (laughs) She's still got the bump on the head, but did I miss something? Like, came out of nowhere. All right, maybe you guys can explain something to me, because I've seen this
4: a few times, and and this time, time around, I'm just thinking about the whole... I mean, because I think before when I saw it, I was younger, and I didn't put some things together. So the whole point of of getting everyone to leave London is because there's... That's going to be the zone where nothing gets affected. Pretty much. was what I... So that's why everybody had to leave. So when they get to the quote-unquote New Earth and they come out of the spaceship and they're going to step out and they're going to be in London,
3: <laughs>
4: but in the past, right? Isn't yeah. that what
0: was going to happen? As far as I can okay. tell, yeah.
4: Yeah, so aren't those people then going to be like, hey, how did we get to another Earth and there's already a ready-made London, England here? Uh I mean, they're gonna find out then.
0: Wh- well, they right? were gonna find okay. out anyway when the freaking spaceship didn't actually land because they were all awake. Uh, that's true. No, yeah. they'd probably tell them. Are oh, you gonna go back to
4: sleep while we land?
0: Okay. Which? Why was, <sighs> What was the point in waking up a freaking spaceship? then? Yeah. Why not yeah. Just I'm, I'm,
2: and... yeah, it was. It was kind of a little like
0: ah.
2: yeah, what? Uh, like your much intention much, was, I was just to take certain people back in time, anyway. Did
0: you need to evacuate everybody? <laughs> well, otherwise, the people who were there would come back with you. You only want the nice people going back. Oh, all right, I got yeah.
4: you. Okay. Well, that's what I understand. Like, why did they just? Why did they make the field encompass all of London? Did they want to have all of London? They, you know? Because they want to go back and have and be yeah. technology free. But I guess they wanted to take. Well, maybe we want to take a city with us anyway to have some
2: place to live. Okay. We're going to use this great technology to be technology free.
3: <laughs> <Hypocritans>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I
3: think undermines what the story's about. Yeah, or, exactly.
0: Te- technically, it doesn't because it just makes them even more hypocritical.
3: Well, yeah, that's true. Because if we look, if we, take the, if we take the crappy dinosaurs out of the equation, um, the story to this one is actually really interesting.
0: Yeah,
3: indeed. and it, it's a very interesting take for Doctor Who to have on this position. I mean, it's another anti-pollution story. It's another ecology story. But this time, they're flipping it around and saying that the people who are really adamant about this stuff, who actually won't open themselves to discussion, they're the ones that are going to bring about the end. There's no middle ground for these people. We have to do it this way. We have to go the full hog, and we have to stop all of the fossil fuels, and we have to go right back to living like cavemen in our mud huts. And we're not that's not going to cut where we are. And I really like that the story is, is kind of like a twist on what they did in The Green Death, yeah. whereas the ecologists were the good guys, and there was no argument with it. Well, this one offers the alternate position, that anybody with a narrow viewpoint is going to come across somewhere down the line. And I, I thought that was a really interesting stance for the story to take, that in this particular instance, the establishment, as represented by the brigadier and the doctor, is in the right and Doctor Who, certainly from the little I've seen of the Pertwee era, has this this reputation of being very pro-anti-establishment um, in a lot of places. And certainly the Doctor is very anti-establishment most of the time, whoever's playing him. So I actually, the, the story to this episode is actually really good and interesting, and it's phenomenally well acted. Everybody in this across the board is giving their all to it, which I think, Carries you over the shittiness of the special effects, and let's be honest, Doctor Who has always had more ambition than money. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's. uh, You talk about the story being excellent. I totally agree. There's, there's, and as far as London, I think that's just a simple plot hole they didn't think through. I think the intention is for the ship to appear, and all of London will be gone. But for whatever reason, the people within the exclusion zone would go with them. I think that's kind of what the writer was thinking, without thinking that oh wait, the buildings would still be there too, wouldn't they? I don't think they thought that piece through. As the How
2: problem. far back are they planning on going? Uh, who
1: knows? The, the quote unquote golden age, is, which, as far as I'm concerned, was 1983.
2: But um. <laughs> well, I mean, if they went back to Sorry. the you know the time of the cavemen, well, I, you know?
0: if they go back to the dinosaurs, they're gone.
1: <laughs> as the doctor said, there is no golden age.
0: You know, yes, every period
1: was, was strife with trouble, you know, whatever it was. That
2: was
0: a great line.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, as, as Andy said, as ex, you know, it's ex, exceptionally acted. And I want to talk about the, bit, the, the the sporting actors in a bit. But uh, one of there is it, with with all the repetition of putting Sarah in the spaceship, out of the spaceship, back in the spaceship, you know, things like that, in, in a lot of padding in this episode, I'm surprised there was a plot that didn't get explored, which would be how did the people, the environmentalists, choose who goes on the spaceship?
0: Money! Money! <laughs>
1: well (laughs) no well money's a big thing sure but money won't stupidity
0: (laughs) i think it was possible ability
1: they picked people who are in line with their beliefs but you know there's an interesting story there to go oh minister you you picked these people well did you pick your family did you pick your mother did you pick your brother really is that the right moral choice you know that would have been an interesting story to fill sort of the padded moments
2: Mm. I, from from the performances that we were given in the hardline nature of the human villains in this, I would say that uh, if your mother wasn't in line with you, she was out the dough. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't getting on the fake spaceship. Yeah. Could be. Could be.
0: What, what did y'all it's, think of the the um, reminder room idea? <laughs> where it was basically well, an indoctrination booth? <laughs>
2: that's a classic sci-fi trope right uh-huh. there. I mean, you gotta go and get re-educated every once in a while. you know? yeah <laughs> i mean that's a trope that continues on i mean the last time i remember really seeing it was when uh in equilibrium it was the same thing yeah. they have the same empty room and this is why mankind sucks and this is why we're doing what we're doing
4: which equilibrium had um
3: perch we son the son in of, it. The son of yep. perch yep. uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so the, uh, yeah the other thing i like about this as well there's no bad guys there's no sadistic killers Right. In this one Everybody is doing what they're doing Because they think it's the right thing to do And that gives a whole moral ambiguity To this story as well That I, I don't know that it receives credit for I mean well, one of the things I wanted to discuss with you lot Was Pertwee generally Because I don't know a lot about John Pertwee um, I, I was traditionally like And I don't really like Pertwee that much But I've since gone back Angela bought me Spearhead from space on Blu-ray for Valentine's Day And I've, got, I've now got Inferno and this one and I've seen the first one Sarah Jane does. Is that The Time Warrior? The Time Warrior. Yeah, I've seen that one before. And obviously I've seen The Three Doctors. And he's really growing on me. But I think he's really growing on me because of the environment that he's in. It's very much it's very much a 1970s ecology take on science fiction. And all of the problems of the early 1970s, pollution and overpopulation, and all those things that we saw Charlton Heston movies about are all here in these Doctor Who stories. And they're really starting to appeal to me, because even with the limitations of of the technology of the time, the stories are really good, and none of them are camping it up. When did Doctor Who stop being a serious drama show and become something campy?
1: Tom Baker's years, or Colin Baker's years, whichever you choose.
3: Right, because everyone in the ones I've seen, including Pertwee, apart from when he gurns, which he does quite a lot... <laughs> apart from that everyone's playing it really straight it's like they're looking at the scripts and going this is actually good stuff so what what's all your what's your take on on the poetry era and which one should we go to next
0: Right,
1: david why don't you you lead us through this david otherwise we're all going to talk at the same time
0: well personally i think we should pop back and have a look at the green death at some point because i remember it being pretty at least interesting it's been, hmm. it's been a while since I watched it, and obviously, with it being like the counterpoint to this one. You know.
4: Well, yeah, because I wanted to bring something up about that while we're discussing it now. Um, about Mike Yates says something yeah. about, about. I think that's like maybe Mike Yates kind of went off the deep end because of that. Yes. It's pushed him to this. And, and, you know, because he's kind of – because obviously he's not thinking things through and he's a little unbalanced because on one hand he's like, well, you know, we can't hurt the doctor. But, yeah, I'll help you eliminate all of mankind. Mike, I think you need to see somebody. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Get well, some help, he, friend. Well, he got mentally controlled by the bad guy in Green Death, and he was just spiraling mm-hmm. downward from there. So yeah. that sort of began the unwinding of his career. Um, but, as far I, as the John – per- okay. I'm sorry. You go ahead and finish, then I'll talk about John. No, no. Per- I was going to say –
0: I, I like that at the end the general's the one getting court martialed, whereas Mike's getting kind of quietly yeah. retired somewhere because, you know, it's not his fault, really. You know. Still suffering ill effects from whatever happened to him. Right. But there's a ton of John Burton Ooh, we haven't covered. Ooh, I uh, know we should cover.
4: Did we do we did the wait a minute, I thought we did the daemons. Did we do the daemons as yep.
1: well? We, d- we did do the demons, which is where Andy said he didn't like John Purby, which made me never like Andy
2: again. <laughs>
3: yeah, but Andy, gosh, said, I've now changed my mind.
1: Exactly. That's why you're allowed on this call.
2: Right? Oh, so okay. I have to watch the five doctors. I'm like, I'm not really seeing anything here. And again, that was a team-up show, so they are all given limited stuff to do. This one, every time he speaks, I can't help but listen, because his voice is so goddamn amazing. But... Uh, again, this again, this was Sarah's story. So he just drives around a lot. Like he was clearly a car guy. He wanted to drive everything that was there. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I I would like to I would like to see to cover something where he's a little more invested in the in the a plot and and uh, doing some stuff like when Benton's telling him to get on with it. Like that's something you know I want to see more stuff like that where he's taking a more active role in uh, solving the problem.
1: I've got a suggestion. I've got my handy-dandy Doctor Who program guide from 1989 here, and it breaks down all the years and stuff like that, and it's got all five seasons of John Pertwee. And really, as I look at it in a season, if you want to know when Pertwee was really firing on all thrusters, it was the ninth season. So it would be the second season after they introduced the Master. And so it's the Doctor Joe and the Master. And there is an excellent episode in there. It's only four episodes long, thank goodness, uh, called Day of the Daleks which is introduces the Ogrons. It's the Doctor. There's a great time travel. There's very much a Terminator vibe to it with going Ooh. back in time to try and change history. Huge paradox at the end, which would be fun to talk about. Um, that would be my recommendation. Day of the Daleks, I think, this is a great one.
3: This is is that time. the one that's got a CGI makeover? I is, don't, is that I, Death I, to the Daleks? I don't know. Right. I was browsing through the DVDs in the shop the other day, deciding which poetry to go from next, which is where this this question came from. And there is one of his Dalek ones has been given a complete CG makeover, Hmm. because apparently the budget was really low. So they actually invested some money in making the climax actually look like a war. And by all accounts, it is better than the original episodes.
1: Interesting. The old Death of the Daleks definitely had some budget issues. I mean, it was special effects and that were really in fact Death of the Daleks was after this one
0: I was going to say I hope it, it wasn't the spending of the money on the dinosaurs that kind of stopped them from having a budget <laughs> uh,
1: apparently what happened with the dinosaurs was they loved the drash eggs in uh, Carnival of Monsters which was a puppet thing and in the middle of the drash egg looks really cool mm. and so that was the, why they went that route and yeah not so much now uh, Pert we also by this point here's an interesting you mentioned this is really a Sarah Jane story and that that's kind of a continuing theme through this last season because uh, at the end of of, I guess it was, I don't know which season it was, uh, the ninth season, whatever, jo- Roger Delgado died in a car accident. Oh, yeah. And that really took a lot of the wind out of John Pertwee's sails. Oh. For him, the golden age of the show was when it was Roger Delgado, John Pertwee, and, and Katie Manning doing the show. And so it could be by this point, I mean, this is his last season. You know, his friend has passed away. He may be sort of checked out a bit. And they're and they're already starting to think, okay, we've got to make a strong companion to do the transition to the next actor, because they were at that point they were expecting the next actor to probably be an older person. They didn't they weren't expecting to cast Tom Baker. They were thinking they'd go sort of a William Hartnell route.
3: So there's a there's a special feature on the DVD where Sarah Jane Elizabeth Sladen talks about she was told from taking the gig that John was leaving. Mm. And so she, so she didn't feel awful about it because she said she would have taken it personally if she'd learned later on. But she said he, in confidence, which she told because now he's dead, it doesn't really matter. He'd gone to the BBC and asked for a pay rise because under his tenure, the show would, was blossoming. The ratings had gone up. It had achieved a new level of, of critical acclaim. And apparently the BBC, without even a discussion, said not a chance. And he so, said, and he said, right, well, I quit then. Wow, that's the story she tells on the dvd and she says that was a private conversation between both of them that they wouldn't even countenance a pair of eyes because she said throughout the season she worked with him she didn't get the impression he wanted to go he still loved it he was still doing all the promo he was still made up with how kids approached him on the street because he was he loved children he was a very big people person and he was he loved being center of attention which is what you are when you're the doctor so she didn't think he wanted to leave, but he at that point he said, "Right, well I quit then." So he couldn't go back on it.
0: I'm wondering if maybe he was looking for an excuse, you know.
3: Possibly, yeah. Maybe it was like like Shag was saying, all those things had happened, and he was looking at it and going, "Well, I'm not bothered if I don't stay, but I wouldn't mind staying, but I'd like more money for doing it."
1: Wow, that's it's so sad when like illusions are shattered, mm-hmm. you know, of your childhood.
0: Oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it is a share. I mean, the other thing that we, well, I think we should discuss is that Sarah Jane Smith was cast as another actress.
0: Oh, yes. With a fantastic
3: surname.
1: I didn't get a chance to read that. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah. Right. The the text commentary on on these DVDs is always brilliant. I, I find them a lot more interesting sometimes than the audio commentaries. Because fun as they are, that's only normally like the actors' point of view, maybe the producers, whatever. The text commentaries are done by fans, and they, they bring in lots of different elements. And mm. they're not po-faced. There's a lot of <laughs> piss-taking of the show in these in these text commentaries. It's affectionate. But it does make you chuckle sometimes when they pop out some of the mistakes. And uh, they go into great detail about the fact that an actress named April Walker was cast as Sir Jane. She was cast. They'd signed a contract with her. She was going to start filming. And then she met Pertwee. And Pertwee looked at her. And she's this very buxom blonde character. And Pertwee apparently went to Barry Letts and Terence Dix and said, no, my doctor is Cares for his companions he looks after them he's he's quite an old-fashioned man in that the woman is protected and looked after and she's a bit too statuesque and a bit too good looking and i think we're going to give the impression that there's something going on between the doctor and the companion and i don't think we should be doing that and (laughs) yeah yeah. barry let's have to then go to this actress and cancel her contract
4: that, that yeah but they did pay her for the whole season though from what I read in that too yeah, yeah that so
3: she she, she she got paid for it and obviously Elizabeth Sladen stepped in Elizabeth Sladen doesn't mention that whether she never knew but she says she got a phone call late one night at an advert shoot to come <laughs> straight down next morning to speak to the producers of Doctor Who for a part in the show and she thought it was just going to be a guest appearance in one or two episodes
2: wow <laughs> wow well
1: she's absolutely amazing I was stunned to hear in this one that Sarah Jane was only uh 23 years old uh, now I don't know if that reflected Sarah uh the yeah, you know uh, Liz Age as well, but wow, she—I mean, she commanded the screen when she was there. She totally ran those scenes. She was engaging. She was intelligent. She was uh, adorable. You couldn't help but fall in love with her. That, yeah. uh, space, that space laser suit. Uh, oh yeah, laser suit. Mm. Spent a lot of time focusing on her rear end. Thanks for that. I appreciate that.
3: She's, she's very Where are you hot. going this air vent? Mm. <laughs> Do you want oh, to know yeah. something about that? The, the <laughs> jeans that she's wearing when she's wriggling through the air vent are one size too small
1: yeah oh. god bless him. Yeah,
3: the the uh, the dress department the wardrobe department maintained that that was a mistake liz Sladen's not Absolutely. so sure <laughs>
1: I'm sure it wasn't, and again, bless them for that. Um, and as Andy said earlier, it's very much a Sarah Jane story. She she is so motivated. I don't know whether it was a purposeful you know nod towards women's lib at the time or just a good character or whatever, but she's investigating. She doesn't quit, very Lois Lane-like. She's smart, and as you said, she's the one solving the mystery. She's the one finding the leads on Whitaker. She's the one solving the spaceship issue. I mean, the Doctor's just goofing around with dinosaurs.
0: So, <laughs> well, she's
1: the hero of the story, folks.
0: Well, this would be her back in essentially her element after being kind of knocked back in time for, it was back in time for Time Warrior, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. So, this is her back in her element again where she has a bit more control and knows some of the players at least. So, maybe that's why they went that way?
1: No? Well, it, it, it feels mm-hmm. very. Actually, modern series to me. Because, like, whenever they introduce a new companion mm. in, the, in the new series, for the first few episodes, that new that character is so incredibly useful. Like, that person is saving the Doctor's bacon constantly. They're the one figuring everything out. And after a while, they end up kind of becoming Screaming or, or becoming uh, Mary Sue or whatever. But at first, when they're, as you said, in their element, they're the ones solving all the mysteries, showing you why this character is valuable and the Doctor travels with them. And this definitely fits that mold.
0: Oh, yeah. So, something we haven't mentioned yet. Technically, The love of cars and everything has been mentioned. And <laughs> to be honest, I kind of love this car. The Who-mobile.
2: <laughs> I love the
3: Who-mobile.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I,
0: yeah, yeah. I love
3: John Pertie's enthusiasm for it, that he paid for it out of his own pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, last, right. His last season on the show, and he paid for this on his own pocket. Maybe and that's he why said, he
0: wanted the pay rise. <laughs> maybe that's why, <what>, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> that would I love that he got it so it can actually nearly do 100 miles an hour. Because a lot of these cars, you know like the Batmobile could only do 33 miles an hour or whatever. So this thing could actually speed down the road. Mm. And it's got. It, 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 does it have a tax disc on it that makes it roadworthy? Because if it does, that's just awesome. <laughs> He claims,
1: he claims that he got it measured so that the width is right, the the height, the headlights are at the right height. It's got he su- he claims everything about the car should make it legal for the road. The only problem was, and he said this in the little documentary, was like, everyone's yeah. like rubbernecking, which is an American <laughs> term. but Everyone's rubbernecking, looking at the car and causing accidents of their own because they're all looking at his <laughs> supposed hover car.
3: So what happened to that after the show then? Oh,
4: museum would be it was or, in his uh, estate. I mean, it was. I would so.
0: Yeah. Didn't he, he, didn't he keep track of Bessie as well? Was, was that with him? Or he he kind of visited whoever owned it every once in a while, so he could have a drive around in it?
4: Something I'm not like sure. He, well,
0: Bessie I think the next ever, time
4: we see Bessie is in iRobot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, I, Bessie shows up in the 4th Doctor stuff. She shows up in the five Doctor. She shows mm-hmm. up in ba- the Battlefield with the 7th Doctor. So Bessie shows up a lot. The Who-Mobile <laughs> never shows up in the show after Planet of the Spiders. Um, but
4: That's it, where it flew, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. But John yeah, Pertwee, it looks like it's like, John well, Pertwee, yeah. We saw him driving it later though cuz like he's in a there's a special called 30 Years in the Tardis. And uh, he, he drives around in that. In fact, they repurpose some of that interview in on in the DVD for this thing from that uh, 30 Years in the Tardis special where he's driving that around.
3: All right, so Pertwee must have owned it throughout its life. Yeah. So does that mean Sean Pertwee's got it now?
0: Ooh, that would cool. be awesome.
3: Alfred the Butler drives
2: up in it. <laughs>
0: go. On, Bruce. Uh, go. Uh, if if that showed up in Gotham, I would start watching Gotham. Just saying. That <laughs> eh, still
2: wouldn't make me watch Gotham.
1: Master uh, Bruce, uh, uh, the Bat, the Batmobile in the shop. However, I have this alternative.
2: So. <laughs> yeah. all right, right let's me- we'll just get in here.
1: So I before we dive into Pertwee, I had a couple other things, just like big picture stuff I want to talk about for a second. Like the opening credits for this for this whole season, like they're some of my absolute favorite. They're like the perfect melding between Pertwee's old credits and the Tom Baker credits. I absolutely love mm-hmm. those uh, with all the starfield and then the, mm-hmm. the, the tunnel. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but part one of this story was just called Invasion.
4: Yeah, it yeah, was yeah an and it, Right, and it was right, and was supposed to be that so that they wouldn't give away the the dinosaurs. But was it? They said the Radio Times had yep. yeah. actually spilled the beans in its uh, adverts.
1: <laughs> that is With, correct. Something
0: like that. Yep. And I mean, they were very careful in the kind of first part of the episode just to not mention dinosaurs. They were creatures. They were monsters. They were anything but dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. I right. saw a dinosaur. <laughs> Open the door. Get on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Spoilers. You may be hearing that at the end of the episode. Just like,
2: <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs>
1: Um, what was uh, the the abandoned London was really effective in the oh,
3: beginning. it was creepy
1: very creepy Yeah very very
3: 28 days like
4: that how, mm. how what what time does the sun come up over there
3: It depends what time of the year the story took place
4: Well that's cuz cuz they yeah. were saying they filmed in the summer at like 4 in the morning they had an that was like like they were out there at like 4 4 4:30 four
3: filming that
0: Yeah so right,
3: right, absolutely Light of June, July, it can, it can be light here in between 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh,
0: wow. As long as it's not ridiculously cloudy and rainy. Mm.
3: Yeah. But yeah, as long as those two elements <laughs> aren't in place, yes. Yeah. <laughs> on, 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 on the possibility that we actually get a summer, if you can isolate those two days, you can get a nice day <laughs> at 4 o'clock in the morning.
0: Oh, come on. It's at least a week. Oh, alright then. So, uh, I mean, our specific one's usually the last week in May. Uh, we we'll normally
3: get, we'll get June. It's normally oh. nice for my, but because
0: it, it's wow. uh, it's always around. You know, you have the sports day in June, so obviously it has to be the week before is lovely, and then it's always raining. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. so
3: yeah, it is possible to, to be up about at about four thirty in the morning and have a, a day that looks like it's it's noon.
1: That's crazy. Do, wow. All right, you wow. crazy British people. Glad we left. Um, it's it's <laughs> funny that they, they recorded without permission, too. They're, like, sneaking around, her and, nice. camera man, and like, cameraman, which is hysterical. So, um, As far as production-wise, like, I I should be used to this. I don't know why I'm not, but, like, I always find it very jarring when they switch from filming on location to filming in studio because it goes from film to video.
3: irritates yeah, the shit out of me. <laughs>
1: and given I've been watching this stupid show for 35 years or whatever it is, I should be used to that, but it still gets me every time. Uh.
3: It's it's the noticeable drop in the quality of the picture as well, isn't it? it's like you've got this great location footage on film and then they go in the studio and it's got that flat BBC lighting and everything looks exactly the same. And you just... I know hindsight's twenty-twenty, but if they just shot the whole damn thing on film, we could have had Blu-ray releases of all of this stuff. Yeah, film is expensive.
2: Yeah, that's the problem.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, the, and those, the BBC didn't shoot on it. Yeah. Well, that's oh, another it- production
4: thing that they almost... Um, the BBC wanted this... They they were told to 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 wipe those tapes, but then they were sent over to BBC Wales to be rebroadcast, and then that's how <laughs> that's how they were able to actually still have the only one that actually got wiped was the first one, uh, but two through six were still there, but they still had another version of it. That's why it's in black and white.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: See, it's mine's in wild. color.
1: You're no, wait. Your part one's in color. Yeah, oh well,
0: yeah, there was an
4: the coloured thing that that they did with that.
0: Right. So my
3: DVD has the colour episode one on it.
0: Yeah, there, there was something um, I read where they had actually found the uh, some sort of version of it, but it was like two reels of it: the red reel and the right. They had the blue so They had to add it. Yeah. yeah. In order yeah. to get the do you know, know what it looks
3: like, Dev. It looks like you'll be more familiar with this than our American cousins. When an American show in the 1980s got translated to PAL broadcasting from NTSC, it left this colourful fuzz over the characters. And so when uh-huh. they moved, the colour kind of followed them a split oh, yeah. second later. The episode yeah. one on this DVD looks like that. It looks like it's an NTSC conversion to PAL television. I get you uh, it, it's not distracting and it, it was nice I mean I wasn't even worry about the black and white version until you guys just talked about it but it's it's nice that I'm sat here going no I watched it all in colour what are you guys on about
0: <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah if, so the- if you get a chance watch the first episode in black and white or just oh, turn right. the colour off everything it does improve <laughs> the dinosaurs just a little bit okay
1: I tell you what, it does when when episode one switched to episode two for me. The thing that shocked me, and yes, yes the dinosaurs look better. But John Pertwee's wardrobe, the, like I love the color exploding in his clothes. I just love you know the the blue jacket and and all that. It just looks his wardrobe always, I love it. It's so joyful. So I I, I thought I was going to like it in black and white, but I think once episode two started, yeah. I was much happier with color.
0: Uh, everything but the dinosaurs works better in color. <laughs> especially Sergio. <especially Sargent. laughs>
1: Oh yeah, well. Did I mention she's hot?
3: Um, mm. right. Her change is length in this episode. Did you notice? Oh, I'll that- Say no. that again. Her change is length in this episode. No, I didn't. This was again something that's pointed out on the info text on the DVD. Uh, there was a recording break for some reason in between episode one and two, and so as her grew a bit, so her is longer in episodes two through six than it is in episode one. oh I couldn't quite tell. I wasn't been looking at her face. <laughs> why, why not? It's an adorable
2: face. Oh, it, it is. is. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was adorable up until she she departed <laughs> the mortal realm, and then she had to what's his name wiggle through that corridor. Oh yeah, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> it's
1: funny, you know. It, she, it, by the time she gets to Sarah Jane Adventures, she's very much the motherly figure, you know, in, in the show, and she becomes basically the doctor of the series, and you know. It, I still like. I still think she's hot. I like. Yes,
0: I, yes, she, she was. was.
1: Oh yeah. She. I. I totally Mrs. Robinson with her any any day of the week.
0: Hey, hey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you get to Mrs. Robinson every night, Bill. That's right. It's awesome. Just sing the song. <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> oh, sorry.
1: So let's talk about John Pertwee's Doctor real quick here. So I, I've got a, a, a list of things I want to talk about, like. Given the number of years where he was stuck on Earth, it's still very strange for me to see John Pertwee pilot the TARDIS and step out of the TARDIS into a new environment, even if it is just London. It's yeah. very strange. I'm, I, I know those seasons exist, but for me, he still, he'll always be the doctor trapped on Earth.
3: Yeah. Why, why did they keep that as the status quo for so long? I know it's a budget. Rep- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> question answered. Was a budget, is that what you said? Yes, it was cheaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And I wouldn't be surprised by the way if we see something like that with the Twelfth Doctor. Um or I guess we have the Twelfth Doctor. The thirteenth Doctor, if we get a reoccurring unit sort of family like I wouldn't be surprised. Save a lot of money wow. that
0: I mean they've been I'd like to see it. they have been trying to bring that in gradually with like um the Brigadier's daughter. I can't remember her name, sorry. Uh, Kate? Yes, Kate and Osgood. Yeah. I remember Osgood. Oh, good it's awesome oh yeah how could you forget?
1: well the 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 show the new series has always had a little bit of that feeling like because each season you've got usually some reason for the doctor to come back to earth you've yeah. got you know Jackie Tyler for the first couple seasons then you've got Martha's family which they tried to build up but it didn't really go anywhere um, Donna's family you know uh, Amy and Rory have a home uh, Clara goes home every episode she has a job. so Yeah, so they've they've really tried to build that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go full-blown and he has a job uh, at some point. And speaking of other doctors, if you think about all the doctors we've seen over the years, especially the first doctor and second doctor, you get to John Pertwee, and he is freaking karate chopping, kicking, fighting, punching. You know, I'm surprised he didn't do cartwheels. I mean, good lord. I, I know, again, he does it all the time, but it's so weird to see the doctor doing that.
0: Hi, it's Venusian Aikido. Yeah, I know. Hi! No, here, he, here's a thing I want I, I wanted to ask. Okay, so he attacks the guy in the secret underground lair, right? And gently puts him down to the ground. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Benton, he lets fall flat on his face. <laughs> the what the hell? Him, he helped him to the ground.
2: No, no. He also had to make no, him look good. What? Benton was prepared.
0: Yeah. I, I. Oh yeah. I loved Benton throughout this. Just the the conversation he has whilst fighting off the um, general. Uh, you'll be court-martialed for this. Yes, sir. Very sorry, sir. You know. (laughs) John Levine's great. He's so good in these. Or just um, uh, the brigadier telling him to go off and court-martial himself. Um, Yeah, because there's no one around to arrest him. Yeah. (laughs) Come on,
4: lock
1: yourself up. The, the, the
3: dynamic between all those unit guys is always so
1: charming.
0: So yeah. wonderful.
1: It, it, speaking of the funny bits, I mean, the Doctor has some really funny things in this. Like, you know, when they're taking their mug shots for the, for the <laughs> photographs?
0: <laughs> yes. It's, it's just it's delightful. Yeah. It's, it's just How about one of us all together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love the bit where he gets disturbed by, I think it's Yitz, right? And he sits down to get back to his work and Sarah comes in to annoy him. And then as soon as he leaves, he locks the door and the Brigadier comes in through the other one and he just kind of...
1: He goes. Oh yeah! Like he goes.
0: Grabs his hair like. Rrr. That was
1: so funny. That cracked me up. Now, did you guys notice this one? Now, I don't. I don't know if this was intentional, but the doctor sits down to have a mug of tea, right? And he starts to put sugar in it. The camera. actually yeah. The camera eventually pans away, but before the camera panned away, he had put at least four spoons. Oh, of tea. Yeah. I noticed there. that too. Like, ooh, I think he was sweet. going for more.
0: <laughs> um, I I can't say anything.
2: Uh, you like think so, it's sweet too, Dave.
0: Well, it's tea I usually have, and yeah, I usually have quite a few spoons of sugar. I mean, technically, I add more tea and just keep the sugar, but, you know, (laughs) I I do like it really sweet.
1: (laughs) You just put your finger in it, Dave. That probably just makes it sweet. Uh. 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 (laughs) So, my final John Pertwee comment is, um, I noticed in this episode, so he's picking lots of locks, he's making lots of gadgets... And he's actually using a physical screwdriver. There's no sonic screwdriver in this episode. Yeah, I was waiting.
2: I was like, he's going to use the sonic to get out of one of these things, right? And nope. do... Yeah.
1: And it was firmly established he had it by this point. I mean, the second Doctor used it, he used it. I remember there's a very specific scene in Sea Devils where he's blowing up landmines with it. So, mm. very weird that he didn't use it at all.
0: Probably maybe Malcolm it Hulk didn't like it. Or maybe it was a Phillips head and, you know, the screwdriver <laughs> doesn't have the option for that. <laughs> Well, we,
2: did, we did get to hear somebody say, he reversed the polarity! Yes. <laughs> oh, <No>, he reversed...
4: <laughs> they really should have had a final scene of those guys materializing, like, in the Cretaceous period yeah. or something, just standing there, and then just a C-Rex foot comes down and stomps him.
2: Did mm. you Did you notice when he's throwing down the coffee mug he whacks the top of the apparatus before he throws it down? No. No. Oh that's Go funny. He's raising his arm up so he's getting real theatrical, and he whacks the top of it. I can imagine it any harder, and he would have shattered the mug right there, <laughs> or
1: the device, knowing the budget they had on it—probably it <laughs> a, it a paper towel tube spray painted. <laughs> <laughs> so, you talk about that guy. So let, let's, you know, let's talk about like the the setting with unit and everything. You, it, by the by, about I don't know, episode four or five, I'm looking at this episode going, is there anyone? trying to do the right thing except for the Brigadier? Because, I mean, the Minister has turned bad, Captain Mm -hmm. Yates has turned bad, the General has turned bad. Everybody we've met in this show is part of the evil plot. It's like, wow, only the Brigadier Mm -hmm. and his... and and Yates are... I mean, Brigadier and Ben are the only good guys left.
2: Well, the only people left are the undesirables that are looting everything. Everybody else is on board.
0: The the guy bringing the tea was fine. Oh, that's true. yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Yeah, like,
1: he was okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what He described he dis- distracted Yates. What was up with that guy? Because like the camera lingered on him a little too long, and like he was hanging out with Sarah. He just it's like it's almost like I wonder if that was like a celebrity cameo for the seventies or something. Because that guy got a lot more yeah, screen time than that he really was, should have. Like,
4: like if that was done today, maybe a few years ago before Simon Pegg got big, I could see that being Simon yeah. Pegg.
3: Yeah, hmm. absolutely. The, the the info thing didn't mention anything about him, other than he looked a lot younger than he actually was. Apparently, he was 50 when he did this. Holy moly. That yeah, he, it? It, yeah, he only looked about 35. Easy, didn't he? But yeah, apparently he was nearly 50 years old. Uh, the, guest, the guest cast for this one is quite impressive. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, Martin Jarvis went on to have a pretty good career on British television. He's also, Bill, he was in an episode of Space Above and Beyond
1: you gotta oh. back up and help us out oh. which
3: one was Martin Jarvis Martin Jarvis was butler he was kind of like the main second in command downstairs okay. in the basement yeah. the one with the the very oh, seventh, uh. Day. the guy oh, the the smash who smashed the up.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah he shows up again in a Colin Baker story I think where um, uh, Sean Connery's son's being tortured and stuff and he's like the prime minister or president of the country and everyone sits and watches TV and votes whether or not the president should
1: die oh Vengeance on Varos. thats yes, a big that
0: deal. Oh, that's the that only one worth one. watching. Oh, no that's the—that's the one that was covered already. So, yeah.
1: so we don't ever have to cover Colin Baker again. So, uh, <laughs> Andy, 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 you were talking about the guest actors. Who else you got?
3: Does the, um, Brian Badko is the guy who sends all his time ogling Sarah Jane and wearing double denim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
3: In the 70s, that apparently wasn't a faux pas. I, I adore his flaws because they're just adorable. He had a he had an amazingly long career uh, on British television. So, again, he's a, oh, it's that guy face. Okay. Yeah. The two guys who played the leaders, the guy in the face, fake moustache, and the MP, particularly Noel Johnson, he was another well-known face. I think he was in Tenko or something like that. I've, uh, he always played politicians and people. So this yeah. is... Go on.
1: Well, he's apparently really well known for being in For Your Eyes Only and Whitnail and I. I oh, saw yes. to see what else he was oh. in. And he was, uh, yeah, Noel Johnson played uh, the minister Charles Grover. He was, I mean, he had presence. Like, I watched that guy and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. All these guys oh. are bit parts. This guy's a real actor who's doing mm-hmm. Doctor Who because this guy's good.
3: Yeah. So it was also Dick Barton. Dick Barton, nothing. No, sorry. but no, I, mean, I read about it. It's
1: famous <laughs> and he apparently created the character. Yeah, he was a big deal for that for a long time, but I have no idea what that is.
3: Dick Barton was a private I do, special agent. I don't we have, our,
1: we, we have We have our own. He's called Magnum PI.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, sorry. I knew I'd I
3: would. Guess. I would love I would... a Dick Barton Magnum PI crossover. <laughs> that sorry. would be that
0: would be awesome. <laughs> so, so you mentioned the general, John Bennett. Has yep, anyone seen him before? Uh yeah. I remember him from the him. fifth element. Yes, oh, he, he was, was the priest Element. He,
4: he was, was the uh, one of the one of the priests in the beginning. He was?
0: Hey, this seems very familiar this conversation. <laughs> yes it does. <laughs> it's like we've had Our it before. Al-
1: I'll, I'll mention my story then. I'm watching The General, and I'm like, man, this guy looks so familiar. Something about this guy. I'm like, wait a minute. His eyelids. Wait. His his eyelids. His big, puffy eyelids. Wait a minute. I've seen those eyelids <laughs> wait, wait, somewhere wait, wait, wait.
4: before. Wait, Shag, here's a flashback. Ah, the Lotus Blossom greets the dawn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. He's Lee Seng Chang from Talons of Wang Chiang. How crazy is that? John Bennett
3: i can't believe you recognize him from his eyelids that's that's uh, impressive oh it's a giveaway and like he's been a, he's he 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 played like the the villain of
4: of the day like on on a lot of shows just on, on and off um hmm. what he's on the scene he was on the avengers uh yeah he, he's very distinctive
0: well, well shag's yeah. never
3: seen the avengers so
0: that's oh, the, the Steed and Mrs. Peel Avengers. I, the yeah, it's that Avengers.
1: I'm horribly uneducated in that. I need to see it. I just haven't. I'm sorry. Thanks for bringing that up. That's not going to get me.
3: I'm just going to say one thing to you: uh, Emma Peel in her prime. You love oh, the Avengers,
1: dude. Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've Googled pictures. Believe me. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, right. <laughs> she, um,
0: she does show also, up in Doctor Who later at some point. Oh. It's, yeah. But it's, a, yeah, it's an yeah, older John version.
1: Bennett. Part of the giveaway with the eyelids was the crappy fake mustache that Dave should have been wearing when he met Benton. But anyway, <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, it's not my fault. Yeah. No.
3: Then
1: we've got we got another one. Andy, come on, got to tell, tell us about Professor Whitaker.
3: Uh, I was actually looking at Carmen Silvera who played Ruth.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately for me, every time she popped on when I was watching it the first time, and she opened her mouth to say something, I couldn't help but think, "You stupid woman." <laughs> Because she's very well known for... for yeah. She's known for an 80s... It was 80s. Um,
3: I think it was the 80s. yeah, yes. 80s sitcom set in um, occupied France yeah. called Aloe, which is... it's <laughs> All of the Germans are comedy stereotypes. Yes. And the main plot line centred around the fallen Madonna with the big boobies, which yes. tells you everything you need to know about the show. Okay. I think I've
4: seen... I think I've seen some episodes of that on PBS.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs>
4: Where all the Germans are just, you know, idiots.
1: That yes. was Hogan's. That was Hogan's Heroes.
3: Well, it's, <laughs> it's very similar to Hogan's Heroes, but with a lot more sex in it.
2: Yeah. Oh, I've I don't know if Do you know anything about Hogan's Heroes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've Shag, of, what is this man doing here?
1: <laughs> I've certainly heard of Lolo. Is that um? So was she one of the main actresses in
0: it? She yeah, was she. the wife of the um, the. Uh, rest, uh, cafe owner Rene um who then would go on to get shot and, you know, fake shot so he would come back as his twin brother Rene, who she would then have to marry so that he could get the rights to owning the cafe again.
1: Because, oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Wow.
0: Um, no, I, I don't think hilarious was the word I was using. <laughs> I'm sorry, it amuses me.
3: Oh, I mean, there were some good actors in low, but it's, yeah. you know... It ran for years though, which is longer than the actual war. Oh, <geez>.
1: like, Mash. <laughs> yeah, like Mash. Yeah, like MASH. Yeah.
3: All right,
0: Andy, come on. Is Professor
4: anyone Hr. else? Oh yeah.
0: Sorry. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Nida. That's,
4: yes. that's how I. That's how. See, because I saw Genesis of the Daleks first, then I saw this. I'm like, oh, oh, I know, him. I know <laughs> him. I've seen him before. So I <laughs> presume then that he was in Genesis of the Daleks. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he was like he, he was Davros's sure. right hand man. Well, it's it, it's the spectacular comb over isn't
1: it Well, it's, well no it's his voice oh my gosh he, oh, yeah. he plays the the lead Nazi basically mm-hmm. in Genesis of the Daleks I mean that's he's not really ah. a Nazi but that's how yeah, they yeah. portray the characters he's mm-hmm. the one who's as you said Davis is right-hand man but he's the one who's you know getting crap done he's just it's evil as sin in that movie and, it, and his voice the wisdom line delivery is just so purposeful <laughs> in genesis it's like it's like beautiful it's so wonderful uh he's also a doctor in the silurians as well but not nearly as memorable as uh in genesis of the daleks
3: he was in blake seven so he instantly gets a pass from me
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should say his name peter miles by the way
3: Peter Miles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's got a long and distinguished career in IMDb as well. Wow, he was in Dixon of Dot Green.
1: Oh, that old one.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, And all policemen were were lovely bobbies who went around on their bicycles.
4: Moonbase 3, that sounds interesting.
3: Moonbase 3 was a science fiction show by Terence Dixon. Um, Was it Barry Letts? Did Barry Letts do that with Terence Dix? It's very early 70s, isn't it? we best three. Yeah, but how can you have... Here, here, bro. You have to answer those because... questions yourself.
4: <laughs> the moon was blown out on, blown out of orbit. How, how, how could you have... Oh, wait. I got uh,
2: Different show.
3: you are know, in be best alpha.
4: Oh, yeah. yeah Which I've safe. almost finished season two, and I'll be done with Space 1999. I love Space 1999. But we're not here to talk about Space 1999. Stay on only, target.
1: I've only got one other character thing to talk about. Mike Yates, the actor, uh, Richard Franklin. You know... In in the second episode, right before they reveal that he's a bad guy, I really liked his acting. I thought his performance was really... I mean, it, the hints are there. If you know he's going to turn, you can see it. But mm-hmm. he, his oh, acting, yeah. I thought, was fairly subdued and, like, really well done. I, I was really impressed because he's not known for being subtle, that actor. Uh, so I thought okay. he did a nice job.
4: You know, that's not the last time we're going to see him on Doctor Who either.
0: No, he comes back.
4: Uh, he, he comes does. back to the season.
0: yes. Of the yes. spiders, where he's joined a cult. Again, uh, again. I <laughs> imagine But yeah, I think he,
3: ma- he makes a lot of bad life choices, doesn't he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: your green death, he gets hypnotized uh, and, and joins the bad guys. This one, he just chooses to. And then that one, that one at least he's not a bad guy. What happens is he joins a cult, and but he's then
0: investigating, it,
4: kind of. Exactly. Well, uh, he was trying to get better.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. it was a Buddhist, like, you know, monastery thing. But he gives the Doctor and Sarah Jane a heads up, which is good, but ultimately leads to the Third Doctor dying, so maybe not so much.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, well, I-, I recently listened to uh, Destiny of the Doctor, Part 3. Uh, it was a thing they did by Big Finish, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so I they- missed
4: that humble. Bu- I totally forgot, and it went past. I was going to buy oh. those because I was trying to a- a- ask the wife, hey, can I buy these? And she's like, yeah, sure. I'm, That's like, well, I the problem.
0: I, I, I'm like, I got nine days to make up my mind. <laughs> Ten days well, later, son of a... I, I think uh, the Destiny thing that they did is read by one of the companions for each kind of Doctor, and the third Doctor had Mike Gates reading it. Uh, it was basically about how Mike joined the uh, unit properly. who was just mm-hmm. part of the regular army. And it's kind of fun. Um, the second one was done by Jamie and he did a very good kind of Patrick Triton impression I thought it it sounded like him but it almost sounded like John Pertwee as well it's kind of like a mixture it's very odd Well, if
1: you listen listen to Big Finish they've started doing stories with the first, second and third Doctor now since the actors have passed away and they actually have um, they they have Fraser Hines doing the second Doctor I mean that that is like his job now is to be the second Uh Doctor They've got another guy named Tim. uh, Tim Timalor or something? I can't remember his name. Tralor. He does the third Doctor, and it's astonishing. And um, the guy who does. The actor played Steven. uh, Peter Purves. Peter Purves does the voice of the first Doctor. And they're all. They they say they're not doing an imitation. They're saying they're doing more just capturing the spirit, but it's it's somewhere between. It's half imitation, uh, half spirit, and it's really good.
0: I mean, they they definitely got the character across, you know, uh, with what. Jimmy um, was doing... Um, sorry, I can't remember his name. Um, Frasier Yeah, Fraser Sorry. Um, yep. he, he definitely got the character across. You know, I could I could hear the Doctor as, as he was back then. And I guess it helped that he, he worked with him. You know, it's probably yep. what does it more. So, um, well, more, on,
1: more on Richard Franklin. In the 1980s, he actually put together a stage play uh, f- called Recall Unit. The Great Teabag Mystery. And it started. I know. Oh. It, I know. Easy, There's
0: Chris. No, oh, patron, yes. He, uh,
1: he, he starred in it. He wrote it and starred in it. He also had John Levine and Sergeant Benton in it. And somehow they got the voice of Nicholas Courtney. I don't know. I guess they recorded it and would just play it during the show. But it was basically <laughs> like a two man show, from what I understand. And, the wikipedia doesn't say anything about it but i remember reading doctor who magazine in the 80s and them like trashing this thing saying it was almost embarrassing like richard franklin actually kind of had a bad rep for a while um, i saw him at gallifrey one a couple years ago and i noticed like everyone sat on one couch and he sat on his own couch and i don't know if i was like reading into that or not but i'm not sure if he's totally well welcome with the group i don't know i might be reading more into that than is really there but anyway he goes on he came back in the audios with the fourth doctor he did these ones bbc produced on their own called the hornet's nest and that's when richard franklin kind of came back to the audios he did that with tom baker and then he then he went over and did a ton of stuff with big finish and those have all been really good every time he shows up it's been really really excellent and um one other interesting thing i didn't know this i had to read this off the internet but you know remember day of the doctor the 50th anniversary special of smith Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in the, mm-hmm. they're in the they're in the unit black archives and they pan across this one board and the board's got tons of photos of different people including like Clara and stuff like that but there is one photo that I, I don't necessarily remember just kind of in the back of my memory but anyway it's a photo it's a black and white photo of Mike Yates standing there with Sarah Kingdom the first doctor Companion. And so it didn't really happen at any point. They, they, they photo, photoshopped it together to sort of insinuate that at some point in history, Mike Yates must have brushed across the first Doctor in Sarah Kingdom, which is like a really cool idea.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Or at least worked with her on something.
1: Because
4: hmm. Sarah Kingdom, that was uh, Helen Mirren, right? Wasn't no. no. I could have swore that it was, was the Jean Marsh. Dean Marsh, sorry, got my older <laughs> English actresses confused. My bad. <laughs> okay, so
0: well,
1: um, as far as expanded universe stuff goes, there really isn't much. You know, a lot of times, like we'll talk about stuff in the like the towns of Wang Chang and those characters go on to show up. Really, nothing on this one. I mean, they did a tar- target novel. They did various VHS, various DVD, you know, the releases and whatnot. But there's the uh, the the. Scientists never came back. I, like it would have been hilarious, as you mentioned, to see a short with uh, you know, or even a pro story with those two doctors back in the, the dinosaur age. Nothing. So um, yeah, this story been... happened, and no one's really picked up any threads from it, other than Mike Gates going crazy.
0: Well, <laughs> dinosaurs come back. I... No, yeah, I but they're on a
3: spaceship like... this time.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well, the beginning of Peter
1: Faldi, uh Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: See, what was it? The CMT Rex.
1: Well, yeah, but dinosaurs dinosaur. dinosaurs. I don't know if that's a callback to this episode.
0: I think I think we may have covered all of the dinosaur episodes now. <laughs> that's that's a, a shame. I know, but I wanted to make sure I got this one.
1: Oh, well, okay. we, can, we can do the Loch Ness Monster. That's kind of like a dinosaur. It's another bad puppet.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, isn't that a costume? Is it not someone kind of walking around in it?
1: Oh, that's the murka Alright, sorry You can cover that one I love The Merkin <laughs> From The Fifth Doctor Oh my gosh I'll do anything From The Fifth Doctor Those are just fun And sometimes Unintentionally horrid I Isn't that
3: them. what Isn't that what Actresses have to wear To cover the nether regions When they're filming sex scenes yes, The Merkin <laughs> Right, okay
2: <laughs> I was gonna make that joke Thank you for standing it for me <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well it's nice Chris That we're in exactly The same wavelength Yes Ten year
2: old boys
1: <laughs> that's, the level, that's the level of class we bring to our Doctor Who show,
2: folks so. I never said I brought class <laughs> <laughs> which I still haven't that's watched a, that's a spin-off
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we should finish it up there um, unless anyone has anything else
3: no, shoot, I think we should just do final thoughts
0: ah, oh, uh,
4: uh, I just had one more note it was actually on my post-it um, that <laughs> I guess I didn't notice the first time I watched. Sh- shut up. Stop
3: laughing. <laughs> no, I, just, I love the idea that Shag's got all these notes, single space, typed up, all perfect, and yours are unposted notes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, the first time around while watching this, did you ever notice the peasant that's in the back of the room when the, the doctor. This is in the second episode. Oh,
0: uh, know, the King thank- John peasant.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's like. Because I'm looking at going, wait who's that guy just standing back there when all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere? Oh, it's like, you guys didn't see... The doctor didn't see this guy standing
0: behind Sarah?
4: It's <laughs> like,
0: wait, what are you
4: doing there? Come on. Total creeper
1: moment. Yes.
0: yes. At least he knows the doctor's a wizard, right? Just by looking at him. <laughs>
1: you are a wizard, Harry.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, David, yeah. lead us around the <laughs> horn for final thoughts.
0: Okay, um... Uh... Well, I will start with me, because I am awesome. Uh, I enjoyed this one. This The story was uh, still kind of relevant uh, for something shot in the 70s. You know, all of the themes <laughs> kind of still apply, which I guess is a bad thing, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> well, there's always going to be assholes, yeah. Dave. Yeah. That's, there's always be people in governments who are trying to do secret things behind the scenes. You know, uh, army officials who are a bit skeezy and you know again helping out people trying to get their own way whilst everyone else ends up getting, getting wiped from existence it's always terrible things to happen uh, but hey um, at least we have the doctor saving everyone and dinosaurs everything's good with dinosaurs I've said it before I will say it again <laughs> dinosaurs <laughs> ah and that that's the thing I forgot about damn it Um, All of the dinosaurs are color-coded on the chart. Um, Red for Tyrannosaurus, blue for Triceratops, pink for Pterodactyls. The frickin' (laughs) Power Rangers! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there was no Stegosaurus in in Power Rangers, you know, but he was the green one. Close enough, right? Yeah. Yeah! See? You can tie everything together. The Doctor created the Power Rangers.
2: Oh, there's a crossover that needs to happen. The monsters look about the same. Uh.
0: Grace, <laughs> what about you? What do you think?
2: Uh, I think the story was better than uh, its budget and its constraints. Um, I'm still. Uh, I mean, Sarah Jane is awesome, and she's adorable. Uh, I still want to see a serial with, with Pertwee where I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, alright, yes, I get why everybody loves this version of the doctor. I still haven't seen that yet. And again, I've only watched a little bit with them. So I don't think it's fair to, to judge that way. I loved the, I loved the cheesy dinosaurs. Uh, and I loved the out of left field secret underground fake space mission plot. <laughs> so that was a, Um, I had a really good time watching this. I, uh, stayed up late to watch the last uh, half of it last night. So I'd be ready for this. And I got totally sucked in to the last three episodes of the serial. Just, uh, going along for the ride with it. I uh, definitely want to watch more Pertwee, because I, I want to see more of, of why that incarnation is
0: so well-loved. Andy, what about you? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I am starting to see what it is about Pertwee that people are liking. And I think a lot of it is the, the setting, this unit thing. It's, it's Earth-based adventures, Earth-based attacks. That he tends to be stopping this particular serial has like we've discussed it as a much more interesting story than it does execution but that was always doctor who's problem too much not enough money too much idea and ambition uh it does flag a bit around episode four where the doctor just seems to wander around that underground london basement for an entire episode and drive his car around avoiding being shot at by But other than that, (laughs) this this is a a stellar six-parter, really, isn't it? If you can get past some of the padding, the characterisation is well done. It's exceptionally well acted. Everyone's playing it for real. The story, like Dave says, is still relevant, which, you know, like he says as well, could be considered a bit sad. But on the whole, very, very entertaining. But Shag described it as charming in our little um, Facebook conversations before we got to recording. And I know that's exactly what it is. I was charmed by it.
0: Well, since Shag's been mentioned, what about you?
1: Well, since Andy stole all my lines. Uh, <laughs> <just
3: now I'm laughs> two, two people from the same mother.
1: And somehow managed to work an Airwolf reference in there, which I gotta say was amazing, sir. Well yeah,
0: done. N- nice uh, job.
1: I agree with everything you guys just said. Story, exceptional, acting, really, really, they they really gave it their all. Again, charming. Uh, I will, since, since everyone's already said anything I want to say, and you foolishly gave me the floor, I'll talk about what I want to talk about, which is, <laughs> since we met last, I've actually went to Gallifrey One this year, the Doctor Who convention in the United States, the largest one, and uh, I got to hug Katie Manning uh, several times, actually. She, she hugged me Girl, several times, times. And, and, we salt, and we drank wine together, and we drank wine together. I got Show to awesome. hug Lalo. I got the Hug of Ward. Award. Uh, I got to, uh, got to. I know, I know. I got to meet Paul McGann uh, again for a second time. So, really amazing thing. But whenever I go to these events, and then watching this episode in the combination just always makes me so sad. I will never meet Liz Slayton, who, yeah. as a child, she was a bit of a hero to me. I started watching Doctor Who in 83 and uh, Tom Baker's. Doctor was my first doctor, and seeing her episodes were the first ones. And so to me, as a, in, in 1983, she was like a hero to me because she was helping save the day. She was the one who went along with the Doctor. And then nowadays, you know, well, not now. A few years ago, I would sit down and watch the Sarah Jane Adventures with my kids, and my kids got to experience her as a hero, and I love that. And it just makes me so sad I'll never see her again. But I am thank, or I never get to meet her. I mean, uh, but I am so thankful that we watched this episode because I got to see her in her prime. You know, in the early days of the day of Doctor Who, in pants that are slightly too tight and. <laughs> She was she was truly a hero, and um, I'm really glad I watched this for that.
0: Cool, and finally, Doctor Bill.
4: Well, I'm you know I'm just gonna say you know because everybody else has already said yeah. everything that I, I want to say. Uh, uh, other than the fact that it was good to to be back to see everyone in Unit again, because I've always liked the Unit stories, and it's kind of funny because I was thinking that John Pertree's the third Doctor, and for me, he was kind of my third Doctor as well because it was. I, I had seen the Baker stories first and then um, at least more than uh, once on almost all of them and then um, the Fifth Doctor and then where I live they started the show, the Third Doctor mm. serials. So virtually is my Third Doctor. So it was It was kind of, you know, other than the, um, you know, the Fifth Doctor special. I mean, I knew about the other ones, but he's so he is my third doctor as well. So and I always, I always like his stories. So, uh, uh, yeah, this other than a little bit of the extra padding, yeah, this this was still an, an overall good show.
0: Very enjoyable. Cool. Well, I think that's it for another episode. Um, we oh, before we go. We do have a new email address for people to write into and tell us what they think of the shows, and that's whofreaks at gmail.com. I'm assuming we haven't got any yet, because um, this is the first episode after it was set up, because we don't have access (laughs) to the old one anymore, so if if we have got any mail to it, um, I'll be really surprised. Good job on whoever did that. Um, Wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Uh, Time travel
2: email. So. Amazing.
0: Feel free to give your critics uh, sorry, critiques and complaints to there, and hopefully we'll all see you next time when we'll be talking about another Doctor Who episode, surprisingly, because that's what we do. <laughs> so, take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye.
3: Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>
2: T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. And you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow.